0: Well, to be honest, I wish I was doing an introduction and uh, handing things over to Brother Mark and the family, but the Lord has something else in mind. So, uh, looking forward to what He's going to do. And you know, when He does things like this, you find very quickly that everybody's replaceable. I'm just as replaceable as the next guy. You say, who's irreplaceable? God is. That's about it. And so we've got a great book. That's irreplaceable too, by the way. And his word to you. Let's go ahead and open it to Romans chapter 1 tonight. We'll start there. Romans chapter 1. Brother Mark has been preaching on the spirit of faith. Using the life of Caleb. Caleb. In the Old Testament, as the prime example, and uh, I want to build in slightly a different direction uh, than what he's been doing, and uh, but I want to stay on that that thought of faith, and ultimately here in Romans chapter one, in verse number sixteen familiar verse to most if not everybody here tonight for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith and uh, I know brother Mark touched on that verse earlier in the week, and. Uh, that phrase, the just shall live by faith, shows up three times in your New Testament. It shows up one time in the Old Testament, except it's slightly different. In the Old Testament, it kind of dictates how faith worked between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Faith was uh, found in Habakkuk, that phrase is found there, and it's the just shall live by his faith. It was a personal matter of their own faith and what they were going to do and what they were going to commit themselves to the new testament christian steps in and he says the just shall live by and he changes it (laughs) and not one time in the new testament is the word his there in that verse Uh, you look up all three of them we'll see them all tonight we're going to go to all three of them tonight and the difference of the old testament was it's a works-based faith plus works religion That's salvation in the Old Testament. So how do you know that? Because they had a law that they had to follow and if they failed, they gave a lamb and they brought in the sacrifice. If they couldn't afford a lamb, there was a contingency plan and there was another plan and there's all these pieces and if they didn't, then they had to do and they had to do all these things. You and I have one sacrifice forever and we didn't have to make the offering. He made the offering himself. It changes the whole thing. The whole dynamic changed because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. And you get here and He makes that statement, the just shall live by faith. And We've talked about that word shall plenty of times. Shall is a constant. There's no variation from it. Uh, There isn't another option. Uh, There's no secondary choice. The just, if you're going to be just in the eyes of God, you know what you need? Faith. And the difference is it's not just, well, I'm going to have faith in whatever. There's a choice of that faith and what you're going to put it in and why you're putting it there and how it works in a person's life and how it works ultimately in your life. And it's a personal decision for everyone. But the choice of of being a man or a woman who is going to live by faith is the choice that every person must decide. It starts with the faith of belief and it grows from there we're going to look tonight at living by faith and what it means to live by faith and so we're going to have a word of prayer and if you would pray with me you say why because i've had a whole lot less time to prepare than i would like and so Pray, Lord, give me all the things I ought to say and keep me from saying all the things I shouldn't, all right? Help me out tonight. Father, we come before a wonderful God who knows our end from our beginning, who knows everything and is never surprised by any of it. Uh, Lord, you knew exactly what you wanted tonight to be. Father, you brought the people in, you want to be here. Father, you know who's here and who's going to hear the message, and you know, Father, that it's going to work effectually the way that it needs to because the Word of God will not return void. And so, Father, I do pray you'd help me to preach the Word of God with boldness. Give me wisdom as I speak and help me, Father, to convey every thought and every word the way you want it said, nothing more and nothing less. That Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up because, Father, we know it's not me, it's you that's going to have to do the work tonight. Lord, I'm not smart enough, good enough. Lord, I don't, I don't have everything together and understand it all to be able to say it the way it ought to be said. And so, Father, I do pray you would put a guard about my lips and help me not to say anything the wrong way. And I pray that Jesus Christ would be praised tonight. We pray for the friends, especially Brother Mark. We pray you'd raise him up and strengthen him. And, Father, he'd be able to preach tomorrow. And, Lord, we do pray you would bless this church, bless the meeting tonight. We love you and we pray you would come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, The first thing we get into with these passages, there's three of them in the New Testament. We're going to cover all three on the just shall live by faith. And the first place that you find it is here in Romans uh, chapter 1. And he says this phrase right after he tells us that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek and he reminds us that the just shall live by faith. The foundation of all faith is the gospel. Hmm. That's where our faith begins. Brother Mark was covering pieces of that earlier in the week. Uh, The truth is, uh, without faith in the gospel, we do not have the foundation that we need. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Without that foundation, without that trust in Him, without believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, you will not have the foundation of any faith or truth that you are going to need to be able to walk in this life by faith. Uh, The Bible says, therefore, being justified freely by His grace. Uh, You and I, we got justified. When? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. If you don't have faith in your life, if you don't want to believe the gospel, the Bible says, of course, in Ephesians chapter 2, that you and I were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is ultimately the only means of salvation is the trust and the, the belief that Jesus Christ died for you. Without that foundation, you're not getting anywhere else. Uh, that's the basis for everything. The basis for what we believe about what Jesus Christ has done and that He could die for you and you trust Him and you believe Him, that is, that is fundamental to what we believe. And if you miss that piece, you're missing. You're missing everything else. Now I know that belief is in the Bible and we're going to get to that here in just a moment. Uh, But foundationally, you didn't have to believe everything in the Bible to understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried and He rose again. We still don't know everything in the book. Right? You read that stuff and you go... Boy, I'd like to believe that. Sometimes you're like, I don't understand that at all. How do I believe what I don't understand? Right? You read through the book of Revelation, and you know the hardest part about reading through the book of Revelation is not understanding what he said, believing what he said. Some of that stuff, it's hard to believe that that's going to happen. Do you realize that in the book of Revelation, a third of the world's population is gone, and then another third leaves? He does it twice. <laughs> if we did that right now, you'd lose over 2 billion people in one swoop. And then he's going to do it again. We go, that's unimaginable. Is he going to do it? I believe it. I believe he's going to do it. You say, do you understand it? Can you fathom it? Can you, can you comprehend all that stuff? Nope. Nope. I'm still confused about wheels and wheels. I don't know what that is about that juniper tree. Uh, right? There's plenty in there, you and I. We don't. The pattern of the heavens. You tell me you understand everything about the pattern of the heavens? Come on. Say, yeah, but I believe he he patterned it. He set it up. I know he knows what it is, and I might not have all of it, but he has all of it. And you and I, when we got saved, we don't have all that stuff. We still don't have all that stuff. But what we did was, we did what Jesus Christ wanted us to do. Come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried in a rose again. We believe that when He was wounded, He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. We believe that when He laid down His life, a ransom for many, He was ransoming us. And we got it, and we trusted Him, and we believed Him, and we called upon Him. That belief, that voice that we talked about last night, that we confessed with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, and we believe that in our heart, and we called upon Him, and He saved us. But that is not the end of being justified by faith. That is not the end of the just living by faith. If that was all we live by in faith, you and I were done a while ago probably. I mean, I got saved at seven. We've been done for a while, right? If that was all it was, that's not much. The Lord wants us to live by faith. And it's not just, trust me and I'll save you and now, okay, go about your business. That's not where He left us. That's where He started us. The foundation of what we got was because we got salvation in Jesus Christ. We put our faith in Him. And when we did, He started something else. He started a building. He started to perform a good work, and he'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's working on some things, and what he wants is he wants us to start functioning with faith. Let's look over Galatians chapter 3, the second place, and probably where I'm going to spend most of my time. is in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. That function of faith that we have to put into practice, he wants us to start working with it and operating with it. Now, you read through, and I won't read just for sake of time. I don't want to read the whole chapter as you go through. But the truth is, right, Abraham's believing. It's counted to him for righteousness. It's faith. And he's understanding, you get down to verse number uh, 10, he's talking about the law, you get down to verse number 11, he says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. How's the law ever justified anybody? All the law was good for was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to let us know, hey, you can't live it. It's evident that the law wasn't good. Why? For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but that the man, uh, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree." That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be. Uh, but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. And you can keep going about Abraham's seed and so on. You get down near the end, verse number uh, verse number, uh, 20, 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us on to Christ that we might be justified by faith. After, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ. Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham, are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You say, what's he saying? He's saying there's this function to faith. We got set free from the bondage of our sin at salvation. We got free from the bondage of the law at salvation so that we could walk in the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And he says when he did that, you know what he says? Now you get to live by faith. Say, so what's the problem? We, we knew what sin was. It doesn't take faith to know sin. You have that. <laughs> You've experienced it. It doesn't take faith to know what the law says. You open up the book, you read, the, and there's the law's. Say, what takes faith? Trusting, doing all the things that He told you to do and how to do it. And the just shall live by faith. Now it's not just about salvation. Now it's, will you put on Christ? Will you change what you do? Will you behave a little bit differently? Will you put Christ on and actually walk the way you're supposed to walk? Oh, to be like thee. That's faith. That's faith to go, hey God, I don't understand. You realize how many times God does things and you and I look over and we go, I don't understand why He does that. I don't understand why that even works. Why would I do that? We all have the examples of the walls of Jericho. We all have the examples of the children of Israel looking there into the land and they're spying them out. And I'll use Brother Thren's illustration too just to make sure we all get it, right? The children of Israel looking in. And why is Caleb going, hey, we're well able. We can take this. We can do this. Everybody else is looking at him like, you're nuts. You're crazy. You've lost it. How are we going to take it? He's going, very simply, God said it. We're His children. We got the foundation. We're the nation of Israel. He promised to be our God. And if He promised to be our God, then He's the one who takes care of our needs. He's the one who meets. He's the one who protects. He's the one. Safety is still of the Lord. Nobody can attest to that. I can after last Wednesday. That's all there is to it. You say... Paul's statement, whether we live, whether we die, we are the Lord's. He's got it. Why fear all the other stuff? There's no need to fear all that stuff. You say, why? Because we have a God in heaven who has taken care of us. He's saved us. He's given us that foundation. Now you and I have to decide, am I going to walk in it or am I not? Am I going to put on Christ or am I not? Well, if you want to be just in the eyes of God, not salvation, Now it's, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. You want communion with Him. You want a daily walk of faith? Then it's going to be the choice of what you put on. Well, how do I know what to put on? The Bible give you a standard. I like standards. Dr. Ruckman had a funny statement about standards. He said, uh, he said uh, if you don't have any standards, find somebody who does and borrow theirs for a while. Well, yeah, but what if, what if they're too strict? Then change them a little bit. But at least they got some. Well, what if they're too loose? Then tighten them up a little bit. Say, so why? At least they've got some. If you don't have any, it's better to have something than nothing on that. And go, okay, we can adjust. You know, God likes to take care and move Moving vessels. He steers the ship a whole lot easier if it's just moving. And if you go, hey, Lord, I'm going to put this in place. Uh, I, I heard it was good to cut that out of my life right there. I'm going to cut that out. And Lord will say, okay, good. Or he'll say, you can keep that if you want it. He'll tell you. The problem with people is they look around at everybody else and they go, well, I don't want to be like so-and-so. They're too strict. I want to be like so-and-so. They don't have any standards at all. They're terrible. And then they go, I'm just going to be me. Nope, the just shall live by faith. There's no faith in that. You looked over at the law, and then you looked over at sin. That's what you did. Well, that person, they're the law, man. They're legalistic. They got all those things. I don't really want to do those do's and don'ts. So instead, but I know I shouldn't be like that sinful guy, so I'm just going to do what I think is right. Wrong standard. That's a poor function of your faith. You aren't using it. Instead, you're deciding all on your own. That doesn't work well. say, well, then how do I function in faith? Turn over to Colossians chapter 1, just a few pages. Colossians chapter 1. How does this function of faith work? I mean, how does, it, how does it actually operate? You know, how do I do this thing? Well, I think this part right here is the key. If you get this part in place, I really do think things go much better. When I don't have this in place, I find very quickly that I am not operating in faith. I, just hear me out. He says, uh, of course, we could read way back because, of course, bro, the Apostle Paul has, you know, a million and one verses that are a sentence, all right? <coughs> but he says this uh, in verse number 16. Colossians 1:16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, talking of Jesus, the image of the invisible God visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Now you believe that? You believe that Jesus Christ, He's got everything under control. He created it, He's got it all in His hand, it's all run because He runs it, it's all holding together because He's holding it together, and when He doesn't hold it together, it's going to fly apart. All right, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now there it is. This spot right here is going to be really critical to your walk of faith. You have to stay believing that he is the only one that matters. Preeminence is not, he's first and then I'm going to take care of everybody else second. He gets gets two votes instead of just one vote on what I'm going to do. No, no, he gets the only vote on what you do that's preeminence preeminence is it doesn't matter what my spouse says it doesn't matter what my kids think doesn't even matter really what my pastor says if he says something different than what God says if God says it that's enough It doesn't matter if it's popular opinion of the church. It doesn't matter if it's popular opinion in your family. It doesn't matter if it's the popular opinion at your job. It doesn't matter if it's the popular opinion with anybody else. You look to God and you say, God, what do I do with this? And He says, do that. And you go, okay, yes, sir. If He is preeminent, then what He says goes. Say, when do you get a problem? When I don't believe He's preeminent and I go to usurp his authority. And I usurp it either by taking it for my own and trying to do what I want to do, Or I let somebody else, and the fear of man brings a snare into our lives, and we look over there and we go, okay, I'm afraid. I don't want them to think poorly of me, so I won't do it that way. Or we look over there and we say, well, you know, the church isn't going to like what I'm doing right here. I mean, honestly, you know, God, they're going to think that I'm crazy now that I'm doing this. Or you just look around and your coworkers, well, you know, I mean, they don't really like me much already. And if I start talking out a little bit more, that's going to be a problem at all you're doing is usurping his authority. You're taking that, that authority from him, and he is no longer preeminent. Faith says God is preeminent, he has all the votes. And in my life, if I'm going to live by faith, you know what I'll do? I'll let him tell me everything I need to do. What's the problem? The problem is James chapter 4 is the problem. That we're proud. Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time. But the problem is, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And you and I contend with Him far too often and we don't get humble, and if you won't puncture your pride and put it down and go ahead and get over the fact that you are not the most important thing in the universe, then you know what you'll do? You'll worry about everybody else's opinions. You'll worry about what everybody else thinks. You go, well, I, you know, was that all right? Is this okay? And, well, I, you know, nobody else is really that that far over. Maybe... I'll step a little bit, but I don't want to get all the way over where he told me to be. I don't want to be extreme or anything. I mean, that could cost me some friends. That could cost me some family. That could cost me. Do you realize that when Caleb stepped out on faith, he did lose everybody? Forty years later... He doesn't have anybody because he chose one phrase. You heard it last night that he wholly followed the Lord his God. You know what he said? God's preeminent. He's got the only vote. What's the vote? We can take the land because he said we could take the land. That's the only vote I've got. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible say, how does it function? It functions only if you're willing to put your pride down and go, okay, He is preeminent. He's got it all. He's got it under control. If I can resign my will to His, it will go perfectly. And it does every time we do it. If we would resign to it and do it His way because He knows what's best, we would win every time, but we don't. Because we choose to meddle. I'm a, I'm a very sad Yankees fan. You say, why? It's been a rough year. You say, why? I have an opinion about our manager and things. Some people like him, some people don't like him. I've never liked him, so it's fine. My opinion hasn't changed over this season. I think he meddles too much. Things are running right, and you already does? He meddles. <laughs> and I go, why are you doing that? Don't meddle. Just let it run. You know what we do? God's giving you blessings. Things are looking good, and then you meddle. Why do you meddle? There it is. Because you want something more. You go, oh, God, I, I mean, I know you're taking care of me, but I don't have that. And there's that pride rising up again. There it is. If I just had, I'd be so much No, you'd be fine if you just left it alone. But you keep taking his throne away from him. And faith says, God, you're in control and I'm not. So what would you have me to do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Look over at Philippians chapter 4 just for a moment. Just back a page for me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. You say, how do I keep him there? How do I have him be preeminent? How do I make that work? I mean, isn't that kind of hard to do? I mean, it seems pretty simple. But it's pretty hard, isn't it? It, It's simple, but it's simply hard, you know? You're like sitting there going, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but it's so hard for me to keep my mind to trusting him. Well, verse number six, you all know the verse. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We realize very quickly that our prayer, our prayer life, is is paramount to faith. If you don't have prayer life and you're not talking to God, how is He ever going to be able to lead and guide you? If any man lack wisdom, let him ignore God. <laughs> no, no, Let him ask of God. Why? Which giveth to all men liberally. He wants, he wants you to have wisdom. He wants you to know what He wants you to do. He is a constant of going, hey, this is the answer, this is the answer, this is the answer. Now, He holds it so that you can get in the right timing and the right frame of mind, and then He puts all the pieces together and you get the answer, right? But oftentimes, you and I, we spend virtually no time asking. <clears throat> and then we wonder, well, why don't I have an answer? Because you're not walking by faith. You aren't asking the one who's supposed to be giving you the answers. And you go, don't worry, I got it. That's the other half. The other half is I don't have to ask. I already know what I'm doing. Of course, then the Lord reminds us that we ought to take heed. (laughs) Because if you think you're standing, you're about to be falling. Because pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There's that pride. Ah, There it is again. You need to be praying and you need to be putting in the Word of God. What is supposed to be in your heart and mind? Isn't that supposed to be what you put the Word of God into? He talks about two, two distinct things. Thy word have I had in mine heart that I might not sin against thee, right? But we talk about it. Well, we talk about it with the Hope Program, Psalm chapter 1. We meditate. Now, I know part of that's the heart, but part of that's the mind. You start tumbling that around in there. You're thinking on it. And you're getting those pieces, and you're putting them together. And That's how, that's how people start to figure out what God's doing. It's amazing. You watch people who read the Bible once, and then they read it that second time. Then they get around that third time. And they're going, these pieces, I'm remembering this over here when I'm reading over here. So what's happening? Your mind is starting to connect some things that God has already put in there. And you're starting to piece together his puzzles for what he wants you to know. And those things start coming together. You say, where is it? That, that happens in the mind. And the mind starts putting those pieces together and then you start committing it down into the heart because you love it. And you start realizing how much it's a help to you. Because you believe what He says. It reassures our hearts that the Word of God is true. Throughout the pages of the Bible, you find that what you're ultimately looking at is you're looking at God. We have the mind of Christ. It's here on paper. We turn the pages... You know what makes all the difference? Isaiah chapter 6. What changed in Isaiah's life? I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. When you get a good glimpse of God, you know what you find very quickly? It is easy to be humble. It is a whole lot easier to be humble when you know who you're looking at. I find if the Bible is neglected... Humility is easily left aside as well. If prayer time is left, pride rises quickly. Because you find I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, so I don't have to go to Him. When the truth is, without me, you can do nothing. Faith proves that you and I are going to call upon Him in our hour of need, but we will also still call upon Him just to give Him thanks because we know everything else came from Him too. That's what He says, right? With thanksgiving. We request, but we also thank Him because He is so wonderful to meet all of the need over and over again. And our walk of faith is rewarded because He will go ahead and lead and guide us into all truth. He'll work with us and help us and strengthen us and give us the answer and put it down and you can answer it over and over again. You know, Brother James put me onto a uh, wonderful... Wonderful thing, I have it hanging in my office right now. It doesn't mean, if you you go in, you can see it. I'll let you see it. Don't touch it, but you can see it. Right, what we tell our kids, see with your eyes, not with your hands, all right? There's a passage in the Bible that's very particular to me in relation to this church. Micah chapter 6, 6 to 8 it's the final verse the lord gave me to stay here and come on staff and be with pastor lego and it's the last verse that i got and brother james and i were talking about bibles and maybe you're not weird like us and you don't like to collect old bibles but that just makes you weird all right we're normal so on the wall in my office now hangs and original 1614. So not all the way back to 1611, but it's a 1614 printing of the King James Bible. And it's Micah chapter 6. And I can walk over there and you can read it. You say, why'd you get that? Because you know, some days, Aren't quite as easy. I look up. It's right across from my desk now. It's right by my door. I look up. The Lord just goes. I got the answer. I got it. I haven't missed yet. I got it. Get back in the book and go ahead and find it. I got it. I'll answer. I'll answer. You say, is that why you got that? Absolutely, that's why I got it. I got it because it was special to me. You say, why? Because it was one of the biggest answers I ever needed in my life. You know what he did? He answered. You say, where the he answer? Out of a Bible. By the way, that's the place to get the answer. Say, How do I walk by faith? You stay in the Bible. You stay on your knees. In prayer, you put into practice what you read in a Bible. Oftentimes we read, but we don't put anything into practice. Faith is not only reading it, but then putting it into practice. We go, well, I know the answer. Do it. Don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. He talks about that in James chapter 1, and he talks about how it's in there, and it's a mirror, right? It's the looking glass. And you'll look into it, and if you do what it says, you'll be the doer. But if not, you'll be cursed. Why? Because you didn't do what He said. You won't get the blessings. You'll be going against Him. God wants you to have a life of faith. He wants it to function in your life, not just to be this thing where I got salvation and I got this wonderful foundation the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't ever work on him. You don't ever go over there and build on that foundation. You don't ever put the work in and learn and, and start to grow your faith and believe what God actually said and get into a Bible and learn what He says about whatever it is you're dealing with. They'll help you over and over again. You don't pray and ask Him because you don't want to give Him any preeminence because you're too proud to let Him go ahead and take control of anything in your life. And so you stay in ruin and you stay as if you were the lost man or as if the person, well, you know, I got a little bit better, but that's good enough for me. The Lord goes, I got better for you. I got better for you. He that hath, bef- hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's still working. And you find that all in the pages of a Bible. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, Brother Mark quoted earlier in the week, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is the source of your faith. And too many times we don't do anything about what it says. We know what it says. But we're really good at telling other people what it says. So we can tell them what to do about what it says. But Christ isn't preeminent so you don't do what it says. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10. say how does that function in my life it functions by putting christ preeminent and if he's in control he can lead and guide you into all truth he will tell you exactly what needs to be done when it needs to be done how it needs to be done it is done just solely through whatever jesus christ wants that's what i do it is the way jesus christ lived his life i do always those things that please the father Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The resignment of the will of Jesus Christ, God the Son, resigning His will to the Father. You and I have a whole lot of trouble resigning our will to anybody else. But sadly, even to God Almighty. Hebrews chapter 10, we won't read the Full section, but notice the end here, verse number 35 here. He's talking about the troubles and the tribulations and the problems and the great afflictions that they're dealing with. He says in verse number 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, as in don't get discouraged through all those things, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience. That after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come, will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we have none, uh, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believed the saving of the soul. You say... Uh, what is this? Well, this is the finish of faith right here. This is where we end. Say, so what's happening? Uh, those afflictions we all go through. Everybody goes through them. Brother, uh, Brother Odell was here a little while ago. Man, that was a good message on Wednesday. Whew. Whew. They well, talked about those storms coming. To John on the Isle of Patmos and the storms are coming and the storms are coming and the afflictions that you and I deal with the troubles that we go through the problems and the life that you and I walk through is done by walking by faith and not by sight it's by looking to the things that are not seen when all the things that are seen seem so terrible And we're looking, and he says, yeah, but just remember, you have need of patience. (laughs) Oof. We all know where that comes from. Tribulation worketh patience. But after you've done the will of God, what is that? That's functional faith. I've done the will of God. Okay, well, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to get a reward. You'll receive the promise. You say, what's the promise? The promise is he's coming. (laughs) The promise is, right? For yet a little while, not going to be long, and he that shall come will come. So what's the end of faith? What's the finishing faith moment right here? What's the finish of our faith? The finisher of our faith is the author and finisher of our faith showing up right here. A trumpet will sound, and it is beyond a question. I know the scoffers are going, well, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. But you know what you and I do? We look to God for a trumpet to sound and for that voice to come up and go come up hither and for you and I to go ahead and launch off the face of this earth faster than we've ever gone and suddenly be absent from the body and present with our God. You see, Paul makes the statement, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. What was he doing? Living by faith. He was walking by faith. The just shall live by faith. You know what Paul did? He lived by faith. He walked and he walked and, he, and it didn't matter where the Lord told him to go. He goes and he goes and I know everybody wants to go ahead and call everybody out on their one mistake. So he went to Jerusalem when he should know. Boy, you talk about a life of faith. Believing, knowing, assured of. How many times does he use those words? One of the greatest verses we have on eternal security is Romans chapter 8. And he says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor... So what is that? That's just faith. He is so persuaded that God has saved him and will keep him and that there is nothing this world, past, present, or future could ever do to him and there's nothing else in the universe and there's nothing else that's going to stop him that God has got him for all of eternity and it changed the way he lived his life. Because a life of faith changes because it will change how you finish. You're worried about how you finish. You become worried about the end. How is it going to go? What are we going to get to? And we go, I can finish because I know the author and the finisher. And I don't know if he's coming today. I don't know if he's coming tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be another 60 years. But if it is, and I'm still breathing, I hope I'm still finishing. That's the goal. The goal is I'm not going to stop growing and I'm not going to stop going until I hear a stop from my Savior. And if that stop is He's going to end my life, well, whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord's. But it may be a trumpet and suddenly you may be in front of Him. He reminds us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number seven of those spiritual leaders we have. He says, Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. What do you do? Considering the end of their conversation. How's it going to end? You know the problem with, uh, with children, teenagers even, sometimes into our 20s, and if you don't grow up very fast, sometimes into your 30s, they aren't looking to the end of what's happening. It's always the now. I don't want to do that now. Yeah, but if you don't do that now, this is what's going to happen. That's what we tell them, right? You got to do that now because it's going to matter later. Or you don't want to do that now, because if you do that now, you're going to ruin something later. They have a hard time seeing the latter end. But you and I are supposed to look and see the end of the conversation, the end of the life, the end of the walk, the finish line. We're supposed to look down there, and you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to consider how we're going to finish. Well, if I don't walk in faith here, I'm not going to finish very well down there. And when that trumpet sounds and I finally get to see the one who died for me, the one that we've witnessed about, the one that we've talked about, the greatness of a holy God who saved us for all of eternity and gave us eternal life and paid the debt of our ransom that we know we don't deserve. When he goes ahead and sounds a trumpet and you get to step up in front of him and it happens awful suddenly and you don't recognize you weren't walking in faith and you stand right in front of him and you go, Oh, we're at the end already. Too late to walk by faith now. When this life is over with, faith is done. You're face to face with the holy God of the universe who died and gave his life for you. There's no more faith. Faith is done this is our chance to walk by faith and please Him. And He'll reward you. His reward is with Him. He's ready to reward. But you and I, well, I hope we receive a reward. Would you consider your life right now and say, my life's a life of faith? Or would you look at it and go, I feel like I've got little faith. Oh, ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Forgiveness is part of faith. I won't get into that aspect. But that's the spot where the disciples look at their, look at Jesus Christ and they say, how many times we got to forgive somebody, right? And he says, 70 times 7. And their reply to that statement is, Increase our faith. <laughs> increase our faith. Well, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You can increase your faith. Brother Mark's already said it this week. Anybody can be great in faith. Anybody. You may not be great in wealth and you may not be great at sports and you may not be great with music and you may not be great, but you can be great in faith. You can trust God greatly. But the choice is whether you're going to live by faith. I know you're just for all of eternity. You're justified by faith if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But when I stand before Him, I would hope that I would be just because I walked by faith and I trusted him day in and day out that he was preeminent that he got to make the choices that it was his call and not my call so that at the end of the day he looks at me and just says well done well done for you for you and I we need to consider our end. We need to look out there and go, How am I affecting my life today when I don't trust Him? Because the decisions we make to not put on Christ, the decisions we make to not go into the promised land, the decisions we make, like the children of Israel do, to not trust God in faith, cost them the promised land and ultimately cost them their lives in a wilderness. And only two men, Joshua and Caleb, at the end of those years, get to walk to the edge of the promised land and go, okay, now's our time. Yeah, they had to wait for their promise, but they didn't lose it because they decided they were going to believe God. They were going to trust God and they were going to let Him do it His way. It'll probably cost you more than you think it will to not trust Him to not believe Him, to not take Him at His word. I hope it doesn't cost too much. But oftentimes it costs far more than we think it should. Let's go ahead and stand. I hope you're living a life of faith. But I, I don't know too many folks who wouldn't say, I could use some more faith. I could use some more faith. There's some things I don't trust Him with. There's some things I don't know what I ought to do. Maybe there's some things where you go, I don't even know what my standard ought to be. What do I do? Where do I put it? Where do I draw my lines? Maybe you're going, I know you want me to do this, but I just don't know if I can do it. Gall upon Him and ask Him for His strength and His wisdom and His discernment so that you can go ahead and get it. And go, I'll do whatever you ask. Because you asked. Trust him tonight. Lord, I do pray you would bless the invitation now. I pray that you were praised. and I pray that people would be able to recognize the need in their lives to live by faith. And not by sight. And we pray you would bless the invitation even now in Jesus' name. Amen.